0: The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, America. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here across the United States of America. As always, if you text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777 You can get the show notes, the podcast, all that great stuff. Uh, It's worth you doing, uh, being a subscriber and all that. I've been debating, you you know, it's finding a delicate balance and trying not to come across as too preachy to people. Um, I'll tell you what the research shows on my program, Uh, believe it or not, uh, is when people criticize the program, criticize me and what I do, uh, that I sometimes spend too much on theology and need to stay away from Bible stuff. I have a lot of listeners in, in new areas of the country outside the South who really aren't into all the Jesus talk, and uh, you have to be careful with doing it. And, and I it, it almost makes me self-conscious in talking about things that in my mind are related, but maybe to other people aren't necessarily related. But I, I, I do want to be mindful of it. I, I I don't want to turn people off because I spend too much time talking about theology or something. But I'm I'm deeply interested in it. Uh, but you know, like my buddy Neil Bortz, uh, he was on radio for a long time. Or Rush, Rush is a great example. Most listened-to talk radio show hosts ever. And Rush Limbaugh, the research showed people got tired when he would talk about his, his golf stream. When he talked about his golf stream or his golf game, people got tired of it. With me, so when I bring up Jesus, I want to be careful. But I want to bring up Jesus. <laughs> No, 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 no! Just, just bear with me here. This is non-theological, but in, in my mind, it's related. But I don't think you will. So, Frank Luntz, the 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 pollster, actually, I, I saw this. It, it just recirculated in my Twitter feed. I guess he put it up last night. But um, a a Harvard graduate student wearing a, a Palestinian scarf. What is it? Kefea, I think something like that. It's called was subjected to Islamophobic harassment on campus by the wife of a Harvard Kennedy School professor uh, who was also a former Obama advisor by the wife. Uh, The woman, the wife of the Obama advisor and professor, came up to this girl and said, thank you for walking through neighborhoods with your terrorist scarf and yelled at the girl. Now, we've seen a lot of Palestinians, um, pro-Hamas supporters harassing Jews in the street and all this, but what is going on with people in this country, please? Frank is point, he says, Americans cannot keep doing this. We can't keep dehumanizing each other like this. I'm worried about what I'll hear during my focus group with college students across the U.S. this weekend. I I, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine when was this two three night two nights ago because it was about the Doug Imhoff uh tweet where he got everything about Hanukkah wrong this friend is a reporter and I was kind of snarky saying you know if this was Trump if this was Trump and he he was somewhat defensive about it and he just said look no one imputes mal intent to Imhoff for this tweet it was a dumb thing. They got it wrong. In the grand scheme of Jewish holidays, Hanukkah is not actually that big. It just it, it's it's there because Christmas is there and it gets the attention. But he says it's just he if he didn't tweet it himself, everybody knows and it wasn't intended to be malicious. So no, probably the reporters aren't going to cover that. Um, and you know he had a point. And, and, but he went, he went larger than, bigger than that, and he said, you know, part of his problem is that everybody these days goes out of their way to be such a jerk that somebody doing something just dumb like that, not trying to be a jerk, you, you just, at, at some point, you got to let stuff like that slide and focus on the jerks. Which led to a larger conversation about whatever is happening in this country. It's not just political, y'all. And, and I think that, Regardless of your worldview, regardless of whether you're an atheist or you're Catholic or Orthodox or Protestant, you're Muslim, you're Hindu, you're you're, uh, Jewish, you're Muslim, you got to acknowledge there's something going on with people. You can say it's either psychological or spiritual. There are way too many people in this country at this moment who just want to fight they want to be belligerent there are lots of things i could say on a partisan level the number of people on the left burning down america the black lives matters protest things like that i but I, I i actually to try to connect with everybody regardless of your partisanship you know where i stand on these things but i i just i got to say that whether you think Jesus Christ was the God of all creation or just a prophet or maybe just a fantasy, the whole love your neighbor thing has a whole lot of resonance right now. Why in God's name does this woman chase down a college student who's walking through a neighborhood to yell at the college student for wearing a terrorist scarf. The college student, you should know, was doing nothing, just walking. Was not protesting? Was it marching? Was it chanting? Was it throwing paint? Was it painting swat stickers? Was not doing any of th- the pro-Hamas stuff we sit call? Was just walking through a neighborhood, and this woman comes up and starts yelling at her, chastising her for a terrorist scarf. Why can't people just leave people alone anymore? And this is a phenomenon that crosses party lines and ideologies. People just want to get in people's faces right now. It's like, have you noticed how bad driving has gotten since COVID? I'm not kidding, y'all. It's awful. I was going down the interstate the other day, and there were two cars in front of me. Uh, They were both. So the speed limit, just so you know, the speed limit was 70 miles an hour. And there were two cars, one of the left lane, one of the right lane. They were going exactly the same speed, both of them less than 70. Now, the one who was in the right lane was obviously in the appropriate lane to be going less than 70. They were going about 65 miles an hour. Now, that oftentimes drives me to road rage. I, I But there was a car in front of me that very clearly the driver had gone into road rage literally behind the left car, you could tell was flashing and it was day, but you could tell was flashing lights and then started swerving back and forth between the cars behind both of them, trying to convince one of them to speed up and go around. And finally the guy in the left lane got a clue. People just forgotten how to drive. People just, they're oblivious. The the dumb things I've seen people do on highways. Now it's crazy. But it's like people, they didn't just forget how to drive. They forgot how to have good manners. There's a growing sentiment in politics that civic kindness is a bad idea. That people being civil to others they disagree with is bad. We should just throw punches. I know a, a radio show host. He's a, a growing a radio show host on the right who is just convinced that people on the right need to behave exactly like progressive activists do, and they need to do it to everyone, and that you should be chastising people on the right if they are not doing it. You should be chastising people on the right for having friends on the left, all this sort of stuff. I actually, so, you know, the other day I did a monologue um, on Friday of last week. I did a monologue about all the Forgotten Pastors, all these conversations about Christian nationalism and, and things like that, that it is completely overshadowed and forgotten the regular pastors in this country who are going to get up, go to the hospital, tend to the fallen in their church, tend to the sick and the ill, and and many of them have day jobs, so they're preaching out of passion on the weekends and they're not making any money, and how all these conversations about Christian nationalism overshadow all that. Well, a preacher, Beach Island, South Carolina, which isn't an island anywhere near to the sea. It apparently was called Beach Highlands, and over time became Beach Island. It's outside of Augusta, Georgia. No no, no islands. But a pastor there, a Baptist pastor there, went after me on Twitter and said, I was not a Christian. Me! This guy's been to probably a billion uh, seminaries or, or some such, which is kind of a red flag, honestly, uh, when you put that many places of theological education in your Twitter bio, red flag there that... You probably can't get along with people. But yeah, he came after me. He said I wasn't a Christian. Um, and, and then one of his evidences of me not being a Christian was I defended Tim Keller, the theologian, for being friends with Francis Collins, who is the head of what the National Institutes of Health. Francis Collins, of course, um, has some views. I am skeptical of a Bible-believing Christian having, but he claims Christianity uh, by all accounts, he's a very nice guy, even if even some of his friends think that his uh, faith is not all it should be. But who am I to criticize Tim freaking Keller for having a friendship with a guy who may or may not be a, a devoutly Christian who has apparently authorized um, experiments that involve fetal tissue and abortion and stuff at NIH? Look, I get you're offended by abortion and think it's murder, but— you know, Jesus was friends with some really lousy people. The idea that because I defended Tim Keller, I'm not a Christian. i One that boggles me, there's clearly this pastor has deep, deep issues, and it's probably a real joy at a party. But when you're a religion of grace and your first idea is to to go after, forget me, but the dead guy and who he was friends with, there's something really wrong with you mentally but this is eating people up across the board people are going out of their way to be jerks yo being a jack aws is a choice chasing a college student down the road to yell at her because you don't like the scarf she's wearing is a choice you have to choose to be that sort of person Too many people are choosing to be that sort of person and too many other people are justifying people being that sort of person, keeping it going. And it is a sign of not just spiritual rot, but psychological rot that you just can't live and let live, that you got to opine on everything and everyone you don't like. And you have to let people know you don't like them and you have to let people know you think they're a garbage person. And I don't care where you stand on the issue or who you think is the garbage issue. Left, right, center, too many people are doing it when all you have to do is just shut up. And love your neighbor. It is hard work sometimes, love your Nobody ever said it would be easy. And there are some people who want to be the jack-A-double-S's. Who go out of their way to say, Well, I'm loving my neighbor by taking the bullhorn and yelling at them to repent or they're going to burn in hell. You're not really loving your neighbor. You're puffing yourself up and you're dragging them down. You're not living, you're not letting these people live. You're not trying to be a good neighbor. You're not even trying to be friendly. You're not trying to build a relationship. There are so many people in this time of isolation who could use relationships and instead they want to tear everybody else down. Y'all, come on. There is no need for this. If you want to be the jerk, You're making a choice to be the jerk. You can make the choice to be the jerk, but understand you're being a jerk, and it is a conscious choice on your part to not love your neighbor, to be a person no one wants to hang out with. And we're losing your input in society and your willingness and ability to shape a better society by being the unapproachable jerk who's going to chase a college kid down the street and yell at the college kid for wearing a terrorist scarf. I don't agree with the girl's politics. She's clearly pro-Hamas. But she was leaving everybody else alone. You could have left her alone. Hello there. Welcome back. It's Eric Erickson, 877-973-7425. I mentioned not being a jerk and The harassment people are going through. An administrator at the State University of New York, Purchase, New York, never heard of that one, was assaulted by a student Tuesday for displaying an Israeli flag in his office. Paul Nicholson, who leads the Educational Opportunity and Merit Access Programs at Sunny Purchase, wasn't injured in the attack, according to a fellow administrator who was told about the incident with Nicholson. Quote, today, a student took issue with him having an Israeli flag and they got into an altercation and the student physically attacked him. The administrator told National Review, the administrator asked not to be identified. The university police got involved and to the best of my knowledge, the student was arrested. Nicholson is Jewish, is an alumnus of the university who previously earned degrees uh, within the university system and he could not be reached for comment. A personal acquaintance of Nicholson's who's known him for more than two decades said he was instructed by campus police chief Dayton Tucker to go home and shake it off. I don't think he was physically injured. I can only imagine he is emotionally distraught. That is nuts. And this is the sort of stuff that's happening around the country. This is the sort of stuff that is just increasing and not good. I also do want to say, as a matter of intellectual honesty, yes, yes, there is harassment of pro-Hamas or pro-Palestinian people in this country. There absolutely is. Like I would mentioned in the first segment of this hour, a pro-Palestinian student harassed by a woman at Harvard for simply yelling a scarf, for you yelling, (laughs) wearing a scarf, was yelled at for wearing a scarf, but it is disproportionately in the other direction, disproportionately, it is people harassing Jews in this country, that's happening right now, Jews and their supporters, it is disproportionately the pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian people, who are harassing everybody else. You can deny it all you want, but it's the truth the FBI statistics pointed out. And it's remarkable the number of people who will cite FBI statistics on pretty much anything. But on this, they're like, ah, you can't believe the FBI. No, I think you can in this. The number of anti-Semitic attacks in this country is getting way too high. And we have real problems. And yes, it's happening on both sides, but disproportionately going in one direction And in this case, it was a Jewish professor assaulted on campus by a student who was offended by the display of the Israeli flag. That is unacceptable. You know, it's around the country, everything is discombobulated. Americans for Prosperity is out there just trying to be a voice of reason in the country right now with so much going on. And, And they're trying to just make reasonable, logical cases about policy and good policy and how to fight bad policy. And they're doing that about binomics. They're doing it in favor of school choice, in favor of getting rid of certificates of need for healthcare care in this country. The Getting rid of those could help drive down health care costs in this country. They want you a part of their team. They want to teach you how to make the reasonable fact-based case for free market reforms, for free markets and free people. All you got to do is go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Sign up with Americans for Prosperity. They'll teach you how to be a highly effective conservative activist fighting against the Biden agenda, fighting for free markets and free people around the country. Americans for Prosperity, they want you on their team. Reach out to them, americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Sign up today. Greetings, America. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425. Real quick, uh, if you text the word data to 33777, you can sign up for my daily show notes and get a discount on the annual subscription doing so. It's a great way to make me uncancelable as some of my advertisers come under harassment from activists who want them to cancel me. But also, you get so much. You get the show notes. Um, So all the stuff I'm talking about on the show. We put it in the show notes. So I I'm a very big proponent of the idea that you should be able to think for yourself. I'll give you all the information I have and I'll tell you what I think about that information. I'll analyze it for you, but you gotta come up with your own conclusion. I don't want to think for people. And so often in conservative talk radio and elsewhere, conservatives get accused at my levels, oh, they're trying to make people think. They're 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 trying to to tell them what to think. No, I just want you to think. You have a brain. You should use it. I'll give you the information. You get it from the show notes. You text data to 33777. You subscribe. You get a good discount on the process. Now, I want you to think about this. This is Janet Yellen, the Secretary of the Treasury. She was talking at a Wall Street Journal event, and I, I, I'm uh, the, the, they keep walking into this. Nobody's getting the memo, apparently. Just listen. This is Janet Yellen. Why do you think there is this disconnect? And are you concerned about the fact that the administration's message around Bidenomics isn't landing? So I think um, we've we've been through a lot. Everybody's, the pandemic caused an enormous amount of disruption in people's lives. And um, we're still in the aftermath of what's been a serious shock. And we've had serious global shocks. And although prices are rising at a much slower pace than they were. Inflation is substantially off its highs. The level of prices of some things that people buy and are important to them are higher. Um, A good example would be rents. Rents have gone up considerably. Okay. She recognizes that... And that's good. She herself didn't use Bidenomics. That's good. But she also says, everybody knows the pandemic caused enormous amounts of disruption in people's lives. We're still in the aftermath of what's been a serious shock. And we've had serious global shocks. She is the secretary of treasury and as the former chairman of the federal reserve, wasn't she? Um, that's probably an acceptable statement for her to make. By the way, I'll tell you a secret about Janet Yellen you may not know is she hates the partisan politics of it. She's ready to retire. She doesn't want to stay on in the job, and Biden begged her to stay on. She does not like giving the party line. So when she says we've had all these sorts of enormous disruptions and stuff, she's she's trying to answer the question and be a team player, but she so hates the raw partisan politics of it. However, the the we're still in the aftermath of COVID sort of stuff. Here's something we learned about uh, in hindsight from World War II and FDR and, and the New Deal. A lot of economists, and not just conservative economists, but a lot of economists uh, on the right, the center, not really the far left, but center left, tend now in hindsight to think some of the major government policies that Franklin Roosevelt put into place to combat the Great Depression probably prolonged the Depression. Part of the thing that uh, FDR we think probably did get right is some of the massive government dumping of money into the system because what was happening in, in the Depression was deflation, What's happening now is inflation. We get inflation right now because Joe Biden's administration dumped so much money into the economy with his his COVID bailout program. Well, when you have deflation, you want to dump a bunch of money in because you want to provoke inflation to combat deflation. Deflation is far more destructive a force in capital than inflation. Deflation is far more destructive because when prices begin to fall, salaries do not go down. So people get fired because no one wants to take a massive pay cut. So people get fired, they go on unemployment, and then they don't actually have any money to be able to afford stuff even at cheaper prices. And as, cheap, as prices begin to collapse, the ability of, of businesses to invest in the economy begins to collapse. The government at some point has to step in. This is what's happening in China right now. In China, they're having a deflationary events and and they headed into a depression. So the result is the government's having to step up spending, but the government already has debts, so they can't step up spending. Uh, but the private sector can't invest in the economy because they don't have the money anymore because prices went down so much. It's it's having a major economic impact in China. That's a roundabout tangent for say de- the depression was bad, deflation was bad. Government dumping money into the economy was a way to provoke inflation, was a way to combat deflation in the economy. But a lot of economists think a lot of the ancillary policies put in place by FDR provoked the uh, depression to continue because he he subsidized the private sector and controlled the private sector in such a way that he was preventing the creative destruction of the marketplace from happening. And that had we allowed the chaos to happen – it would have fixed itself quicker and rebuilt itself stronger. Part of the problem we're having now is the Biden administration and the Trump administration before it, if we want to be honest, started picking winners and losers and decided, well, we're not smart enough to pick winners and losers, so we're just going to make everybody a winner. And it was like the Oprah Winfrey meme. You get a car, 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 you get a car. Everybody gets a car. Everybody was a winner. The result is that some businesses that really needed to be helped, given the situation, were helped, but a lot of businesses that needed to fold were not allowed to fold. And this is continued fallout from the 2008 economic, 2009 economic crisis, where the government then would not allow businesses to collapse and go bankrupt. Listen, I I say this as someone who buys General Motors products. But had GM gone bankrupt... We'd probably have really cool cars from GM right now instead of them relying on McKinsey consultants to tell us to get rid of CarPlay and have an in-house subscription service in their electric cars and dumb ideas like that. You'd get way more innovation had you just allowed them to fold instead of the government bailing them out. The government's got to stop bailing people out. And Janet Yellen, to a large extent, was responsible for a lot of those bailout policies that perpetuated moral hazard within the system. And to the extent that we're still in the aftermath of COVID, we're still in the aftermath of COVID and not beyond it because of the government policies that Janet Yellen and others helped create. This isn't rocket science. Doesn't mean it's easy, but it's not rocket science. Yet these people can't, they, they just can't bring themselves to change. They can't bring themselves to recognize mistakes. I mean, Joe Biden, for Pete's sake, is still using the Bidenomics label. He used it this week. After several weeks of Democratic strategists saying, hey, dude, stop using the phrase, stop it. It was meant as a pejorative by the Republicans, and now you've embraced it just like you did the whole let's go Brandon thing. It's not working for you. You need to stop. And the Biden administration's having a real hard time stopping the Bidenomics phrase. It was notable Janet Yellen did not reintroduce the phrase after the Wall Street Journal report called it binomics, but she knew exactly what he was talking about, did she? When he said binomics, she knew exactly what he was talking about, and that's part of the problem. It's tied so directly to Joe Biden now. Glenn Youngkin, governor of Virginia, was on TV yesterday. I think it was yesterday. I mentioned a little bit yesterday. It was yesterday morning, I think. Glenn Youngkin is saying, "We and by the way, Glenn Youngkin's uh, background is in business and, and finance. He's saying we really could get a recession at the beginning of next year. And we'll find out in, what, about an hour? Um, no, actually, where are we in the show? <laughs> it may be in about 30 minutes or so. We're, we're going to find out uh, in less than an hour whether or not the Fed raises interest rates. They're not going to, but they're not going to cut them either. In fact, they're probably going to signal that they're going to delay uh, cutting interest rates. And that could also provoke a recessionary fallout over time. We'll see what the markets do here in a little while after the statement comes out. But it's still so much the economic fallout from Biden's policies. People are really struggling, and I understand Jenny Yellen. Listen, I, I I'm not covering for Joe Biden, Secretary of Treasury. I mean, this is a well-known fact about her. It's one reason Republicans like asking her questions too. She doesn't like the partisan gamemanship. She's not comfortable being a partisan team player. And the best she can do is say, we're still in the aftermath of COVID. And what she really means is we're still in the aftermath of Joe Biden's economic policies that she, if uh, rumors are to be believed, warned against. She was apparently Team Larry Summers. She was apparently the only one in the Biden administration who was hesitant to do that much spinning, and yet had to come out and defend it, and that apparently is something that's rubbed her the wrong way ever since. She's progressive. Don't get me wrong. She's progressive. She's on the left, but she's got some level of sense about herself to understand that you, you your big spending policies can provoke inflation. But what's, what's so mind-numbing to me here in this is that No one in the Biden administration is willing to change course on this stuff. Even she is not willing to change courses. Even when she knows this stuff hasn't worked, she's not willing to do it. And that is kind of the biggest red flag out there of all, that they're not willing to change their minds even when they realize this stuff isn't working. All the time, you and I, when we're growing up, we're we're taught that when you get new information, be willing to change your mind. They've continually gotten new information of this administration, and instead of changing their mind, they just blame everybody else. It's everybody else's fault. It's always everybody else's fault. And the problem is ultimately, at the end of the day, it's no one else's fault but theirs. They want to blame Republicans They want to blame other economic factors. They want to blame COVID. They want to blame the Chinese. They want to blame everybody but themselves. It's their policies that did it. And that's why the voters hold them accountable. Listen, y'all, I've talked to a lot of Democratic and Republican pollsters. I had to do a paper last night at the the group I'm in, and I did it on polling and whether polls are accurate and stuff like that. One of the things that came up from Democratic pollsters is that voters are furious with the Democrats for being dismissive of their economic concerns. And voters blame Joe Biden for the economy. And this is a point I've said before, but I need to say it again, because I stole it from someone smarter than me. Every voter who votes in 2024 will be a voter who was alive during Trump's administration. And so they can compare and contrast. And if Trump is the nominee and asks, are you better off now than you were four years ago? No one will say yes, and that matters greatly if the election's about the economy, which it probably will be. Speaking of the economy, you got ten regional banks that have had their credit downgraded, and more have shuttered. They keep raking up profits; they get sweetheart bailouts if things go bad. Some of them get sold off to mega banks and broken apart. No wonder my friends at Swiss America are sounding the alarm about the secret war on cash and all that assault on our freedoms. With soaring interest rates squeezing the economy, with banks teetering on collapse, Swiss America can educate you on ways to help protect your hard-earned assets now. Get and read their shocking report, The Secret War on Cash. Your copy's free. All you got to do is call or text 800-289-2646. 800-289-2646. The all-out war on cash includes digital forms of currency. It's spreading daily. So go read The Secret War on Cash. It's free to my listeners. All you do, you mention my name, Eric Erickson. You call or text my name, Eric Erickson, to 800-289-2646. That's 800-289-2646. You can also visit SwissAmerica.com slash Eric. That's SwissAmerica.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Or call or text my name to 800-289-2646. Message and data rates will apply. Howdy. Welcome back. It's Eric Erickson. All right. I, I put it off. I want to just talk briefly about the Texas case, the woman who wanted the abortion in Texas, and Texas law uh, didn't give it to her. She had a, a, a baby who had a genetic anomaly that doctors said the child would not live much past birth. Now, you should know, I, I know a couple of people who have children with the same anomaly, and these kids uh, have lived quite a while, some still living. Um, and, but this woman, her doctor told her she should have an abortion. You know, th- this is one of the things crisis pregnancy doctors tend to say is just have an abortion and start over uh, with my wife, with some of her health concerns. I mean, that was it. Uh, if, if something goes wrong, you just have an abortion. And you start over. That's not really, nah, but this woman believed it. That she needed to have an abortion and Texas law says no, uh, that even though a child may die after birth, we do not hasten the death by killing the child. In the same way, if you get an illness that is terminal, we don't just go in and kill you. And she fought it, and she lost. Well, in the process of all of this, she left the state and got an abortion elsewhere. Now, the media is blasting all of this. And, of course, every situation like this is going to be played up by the press as sympathetic to the woman who wants an abortion Um, and it's going to put pro-lifers on the defensive and it is by design politically to try to restore abortion rights in the country. But here's the issue is federalism worked. She wanted an abortion. She got an abortion. Yes. Did she have to go somewhere? Yes. Nothing in the constitution said any of this had to be convenient, but federalism works. She was able to have the abortion. The issues rendered moot. Uh, and by the way, they can't prosecute her either because under our constitution, you do have a right to travel. The Supreme court has said, and you can go to another state and engage in conduct that might be legal in your state, but is legal in the other state, and you are totally fine. You are protected. You cannot be prosecuted. And I dare some zealous Texas prosecutor to try to prosecute her and claim that she murdered uh, another human being. That's not going to go before the Supreme court. It's not going to fly. I'm well enough aware of the arguments, but I'm also well enough aware of the Constitution. As someone who did very good in constitutional law, I assure you that that sort of prosecution is not going to go anywhere. And the moral of the story, contrary to all the bellyaching so many people want to scream about, is federalism works. You may not like something in your state, and you can go to another state. No one said everything is going to be convenient and I'm sure that's what the left will say. Well, it was inconvenient. She should have traveled. Except under federalism, abortion should have never been decided by the Supreme Court. It should have always been an issue for the states. And as a result of that, it should have been a federalist issue. And now it is. This is the way it was supposed to work. And she wanted an abortion. She went to a state where she could have an abortion. Um, and everybody could move on. But no, no, we got to amplify this and play it up. But the fact of the matter is... It just proves federalism is the solution to these things. And nobody on either side really wants to pay attention to that because I honestly think at this point everybody just wants to well, – the loud voices just want to go on and break us up. Um, and they're not going to be successful, more likely than not. But uh, why, why talk federalism when you can scream about destroying the country in a great divorce of some sort? Well – I want to scream to you about Omaha Steaks because it's delicious. I was at my dinner last night, and people were asking me about Omaha Steaks. It is that good. It is worth it. OmahaSteaks.com, you put Eric in at checkout as your promo code, and you get $30 off already unbelievable savings, site-wide savings at OmahaSteaks.com. Minimum order applied. But you go to OmahaSteaks.com, you load up your cart at checkout, you put Eric in as your promo code, you get $30 off, you get the steaks, you get the seafood, you get the the poultry, you get the oh, the pork chops. The bacon wrapped pork chops is just a genius idea, let me tell you that. It's like pig wrapped in pig is delicious. You can get ready-made sides like the caramel apple tartlets my wife loves, or the little chocolate cakes that I love. You can get ready-made main courses. You, you you get so much at Omaha Steaks. And then at checkout, you put Eric in as your promo code, E-R-I-C-K, and you get an extra $30 off and a hundred percent satisfaction guarantee because that's how the people at Omaha Steaks roll. omahastakes.com Use Eric as your promo code at checkout. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumbacasino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere,